Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw and the New York Knicks are 109 to 104 winners over the Chicago Bulls. We break down another great night for the young stars and uh, not so great night for Julius Randle before getting into your mailbag questions. That next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms, including... You know this if you're seeing my face on YouTube. So please, 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 if you haven't already, go check us out there. Throw us a description, like, comment. It all helps a ton. And we highly encourage you to make another Locked On podcast your second listen. Locked On Giants, a current favorite of mine. I am personally excited to see if they can add some help around Daniel Jones. And we also want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the future of being an NBA fan. Own officially licensed rare NFTs of the greatest moments from NBA history. Sign up today at LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. Come. And who am I? You may be asking. I am Gavin Shaw. You'd know that if you're on YouTube. This is a little graphic with my name, but if you're just listening, Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, and uh, this is Locked On Knicks once again, and it's a good time to be on Locked On Knicks because the New York Knicks got an incredible victory over the Chicago Bulls. They combined, they survived, excuse me, a 37-point night from DeMar DeRozan. They survived a bizarrely bad Julius Randle game that ended with him uh, just sulking off the court when it was all said and done. Uh, we're going to get into that, but I wanted to start off with a hypothetical because I've I've oft repeated throughout this year that this Knicks team had a chance to be better than last year's team and not just better than last year's team because everyone knows this, this year's Knicks team probably had more talent on paper. I think they had a chance to be better in the same way as last year's team, but it would have taken a couple of things happening. The Kemba Walker signing just never could have happened. That, that I think derailed the season from the jump. And I think given everything we've seen this year and all the inconsistency and how he's just pretty consistently sabotaged the offense. And I feel, I feel better about saying that now that we've seen what Obi Toppin can do with more minutes. Um, the other part of this hypothetical is that Julius Randall was no longer a part of this team as of this off season. And that RJ Barrett, took the reins early in the year and we got the star performances he's putting on now uh, going all the way back to October. I know that was also health contingent with him, but let's just say in this world, the Knicks don't sign Kemba Walker and they maybe trade Julius Randle for, I don't know, let's just say a Harrison Barnes, like a solid uh, veteran uh, wing slash power forward. I think this is a completely different year because I think what we're seeing is that the young guys on this team have the same DNA that last season's Knicks team did, right? It, it's not just like the toughness and the tenacity on defense of guys like Deuce McBride and Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel Quickly and Jericho Sims and, and Obi to some extent. It's that competitive spirit and their overall basketball IQ. And this is something I got into a little bit on the pod last night with Stacey Patton, but the way these guys play together and frankly, I mean, the only reason it would work 
is because of the fulcrum that RJ Barrett has become. But these guys just intuitively, like they're, I, for lack of a better term, like they're hoopers. Like they, they just, they very much understand what is required in a specific situation at specific moments. Of course, if the team had been that young, you have no Julius Randle, there would have been growing pains. There would have been learning moments, but it, it feels weird to say this because Tom Thibodeau, who's been been doing this all for a long time, like this is essentially saying he's he's gotten it all backwards, but uh, I'm willing to go that far and say it. I, I just think flat out the Knicks would have been a more winning team uh, with the younger guys playing the entire season. I know that sounds like I, to most people like no crap, like this is what we've been saying all year. This is what we've been thinking all year. But I, I do think that's sort of astonishing because it, it's it's hard to it's hard to overrate just how young the core pieces are for the Knicks. I mean, even guys like Obi Top and Jericho Sims that are old in terms of age. I mean, the experience level, like second year guys in Obi and IQ, rookies for, for Deuce, Grimes, and Sims. RJ, uh, young in his third season in the NBA. Like I, I can go on and on and on with each of these guys, but the point being, um, they shouldn't be able to outperform a Kemba Walker or Julius Randle, but that's where we're at at this point. And maybe that says just as much about Kemba and Julius as it does being bad, as it does about the young guys being good. But tonight's win just really, that stuck out to me because the Knicks have been obviously fantastic over the stretch. I mean, the win over the Heat was arguably even more impressive against a better team. But this Chicago team getting back to full health like is legitimately dangerous. DeMar DeRozan is clearly a, a massive, massive problem for any defense, particularly this Knicks defense. And yet, Playing around these young guys, they were able to overcome it. And of course, that all starts with RJ Barrett. So let's let's get into his night a little bit. Uh Barrett in 43 minutes had 28 points, six rebounds, three assists, was 10 to 24 from the field, was two for three from three, six for seven from the line. And once again, I mean, this is this is what we talk about seemingly all the time with RJ, but his ability to I, I would say shepherd the Knicks through difficult situations, right? Early on in the game, um, he, he was the offense, basically, in, in the second quarter. Um, and and just his his understanding of leverage, I think, has gotten so much better. Um, like, like in transition against Alex Caruso for what I believe was his first bucket of the game, just, just this like low gather step that threw Caruso off pace by maybe just a step allowed him to beat Caruso to the rim and get an easy layup. And then in the post, I mean, he, he just, he torched Zach Levine on this little reverse spin and layup. Um, had another one. Um, I think this was, this might've been in the third quarter, but it was, it was against DeMar DeRozan, like a reverse spin move into like a double pump lefty push shot off the glass. I mean, just the, 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 she, the sheer craftiness of that move was fantastic, but also, also the touch, which is an area where we've critiqued RJ in the past. And then, I mean, just what we saw from him as a passer. I mean, he, he threw two passes that maybe we've seen from him in the past, but it was it was the kind of thing that would happen once every 10 to 20 to 30 games. And now we're seeing it two, three times in, in a ball game. And I'm talking about like those speedy little like whip around passes, like where you, you know what if you if, if you saw in the game, but where it just just pivots and on a dime, just rockets and absolute frozen rope out to the opposite corner, hit Fournier for one um that Fournier uh Fournier missed on um and he had I'm trying to remember exactly when it occurred he had he had one other one that was uh, again just like uh, I think it was to IQ um but just the the pace that he puts on the basketball and to me that's 
it's it's a situation of kind of like what we saw from Randall last year when he was a rhythm of RJ's court sense getting better and better and having this innate understanding of where everyone is on the floor. And that leads to just a general lack of hesitancy when he's passing the basketball. And that allows him to use his natural gifts as a passer, which I think are pretty substantial. And you see someone who, who probably to some extent grew up uh, with, with some significant tutelage from one of the greatest passers of all time in Steve Nash. And, and then the final thing for RJ was, was again, down the stretch. This is, this is like the superstar quality. Like, can you against a good defender, a really good defender, in Alex Caruso, um, can you just force your way to the line down the stretch of the game or to the rim? And for the most part, RJ was able to do that. He went three for four um, in the final two minutes on free throws, like back-to-back possessions where he got all the way to the rim. Um, even before those two in the fourth, like had a rip through where he absolutely torched Pat Williams for a layup. Um, hit a three to be, at the beginning of the fourth, even before that, had another jab and a triple in Zach Levine's face. But then with two minutes left, um, hard to the rim, made one or two free throws, another hard drive, um, hit two. Final possession for him was not great. Um, this was pre the Alec Burks three, but he gave Chicago a real chance just by forcing up like a fadeaway double pump. Very similar to um, the shot we saw him get late against Sadiq Bay and the Detroit Pistons where he just tried to force the issue. and didn't really get a good look out of it. Um, I think that's still sort of the biggest thing for RJ's understanding that he doesn't always have to be the hero. It's not always on him. And to his credit, on the final possession of this game, he or the final significant possession of this game for the Knicks, he backed off and he let Emmanuel quickly make a great play, beating his defender, cross-court kick to Alec Burks for what was ultimately the game-winning three. But we will get to that uh, after a quick break because I want to tell everyone about NBA Top Shot one more time. NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA you can connect with the passionate community of NBA fans across the globe and build your collection with your favorite moments from NBA history. NBA Top Shot is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. Part trading cards, part stock market, and part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and made it easy to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading. Shoeboxes and binders, their 24-7 peer-to-peer marketplace lets you scroll through all your favorite players and teams. Once you find the moment you've been looking for, you can buy it in just a couple clicks. Now I hear all the time, why would I buy something I can watch on YouTube for free? And I tell those people, it's not about watching a highlight. It's about having ownership in the stock market of the NBA's greatest moments. And owning NBA Top Shot moments can get you access to unviable once-in-a-lifetime experiences. For example, last year, Top Shot flew out a group of fans to Phoenix for Game 5 of the NBA Finals just for having... Phoenix Suns moments in their collections. The following week, Top Shot flew out a group of fans to New York for the NBA draft. And these collectors got to have dinner with four future first round draft picks where they were draft before they were drafted and play basketball with a certain legend named Obi Toppin. If you sign up for NBA Top Shot today, the best way to get started is a starter pack. You can pull a moment of a superstar like LeBron or KD or star rookies like Kate Cunningham or Evan Mobley for just $9. So head over to LockedOn.NBATopShot.com to start buying your collection today. That's LockedOn.NBATopShot.com. And we also wanted to tell you about Truebill. Did you know why fruit, do you, do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. 
buy a lot of built bars with that money because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill's over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million. Like Matthew B, who says in a matter of seconds, I saved 660 bucks on the year on my direct TV bill, saved $120 for the year on my Sirius XM bill, saved $840 a year on my car insurance. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. Go right now at Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockdownNBA. And with that, we are back on Lockdown Knicks. Uh, thanks again, guys, for making Lockdown Knicks. Your first listen today and every day. Uh, just a reminder: if you missed it at the beginning, we are now on YouTube. Uh, so please go check us out and throw us a subscription. Um, with that, let's let's keep going through the young Knicks who were just fantastic um, in this game. Uh, I want to touch on Obi Toppin next. Seventeen points in his first eighteen minutes. Finished with seventeen points in twenty minutes, and I think he he showed essentially the guy he was at Dayton, right? And and the reason at a relatively advanced age, he was able to be a top 10 pick, even though many people questioned whether he could stay on the floor in key moments in NBA games because of his defense. And he's, he's actually proven that, yes, he can. He's a good enough defender for that. Um, but the questions for him as a rookie, and uh, this leads us into a mailbag question we got, were just how good could he be offensively? And and one of the one of the questions we got for this show, which is a really good one that I actually want to throw in Alex's direction um, when he's on next. Um, it comes from Michael Shane at um, at Nebsuk. I want to say I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that to Michael to clarify. Um, but he said, "Have you been more impressed with Obi or IQ's progression this season? Why?" And initially, like. I didn't really put much thought into it. I was like, oh, obviously IQ. Like, look look at the leap he's making. Like, he's turned himself into a star, basically. Or, well, no, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm recording this really late at night. Not not a star, but he's, he's turned himself, at least over the last 20, 25 games, into one of the best backup point guards in all of basketball. One of, one of the best bench players in all of basketball. And it's not, it's not particularly questionable that he's done that. Um, but then I put a little bit more thought into it, and I was like, you know, last year, Obi, especially at the beginning of the season, he certainly showed more flashes as time went on. But at the beginning of the season, Obi was a guy who just, who shockingly, after being this hyper-efficient scorer in college, who seemingly seemingly was a three-level scorer in college, was not, was not a one-level scorer really in the NBA. Or, or maybe he was. His one level was 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 getting like sick lob finishes, right? Um, but he just didn't have any kind of any kind of scoring package that worked. And he struggled to back down guys as, 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 as weak as a Duncan Robinson, no, no shots at Duncan, great player. Um, he, he was not an NBA player offensively, which was, was stunning because that was supposed to be this area that translated really quickly and easily for him. And then watching him tonight, I mean, with the three pointer dropping, he had three of them in this game. Obviously that, that that's where you get that insane efficiency from, we're looking at a guy who just scores the basketball with complete ease. And uh, I mean, for the umpteenth time since Julius got hurt uh, two, three weeks ago, Obi looked like the better option in this game. And, and Tibbs decided to go with Randall for whatever reason down the stretch. But it, it, it certainly wasn't because of Obi's offense, because he was fantastic, even beyond the threes. Uh, as we always reference with him, his ability 
to run the floor, did it one time and got a seal, uh, took a great pass from Emmanuel quickly, ended with an and one jam on Alex Caruso, but then also in isolation. This is what he couldn't do last year again because he, he couldn't move a soul. He backed down Zach Levine, a little inside pivot, leading layup to score a crucial bucket at, at, at a big moment for the New York Knicks. And that, to me, epitomized the jump he's made as a player this year. All that being said, I think I would still lean Emmanuel quickly for this question, just because last year, and, and I thought this was perfectly crystallized by a, a tweet from Benji Ritholtz. So I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said here, but essentially that uh, IQ was a guy who uh, absolutely struggled getting a foot in the paint last year. And and this is even something that Stacey Patton touched on yesterday, right? Like last year, it was, it was draw a gimmicky foul, shoot a floater, or nothing in, in terms of his non-three-point offense. This year, there's there's a mid-range package, but he doesn't even have to go to it that often anymore because he's consistently getting paint touches. And as referenced before, uh, on what was ultimately the the game-winning pass to Alec Burks um, for that uh, triple that put the Knicks up by four, he just got right by uh, Ao Desumo. Um, he was he, his first step has become so electric because you when he's shooting forty percent from three. You have to guard him 28 feet away from the rim. And he's developed this great hesitation move. And then as as, as the name implies, he's, he's, he's very quick. And and you're guarding this guy. And he's, he's pausing and then accelerating uh, seemingly out of thin air. And you're just not going to stick with him. Like it's It feels like it's automatic that he can get two feet in the paint. His ability to get all the way to the rim, certainly something he still has to focus on. But the way that has opened up his game, and, and in addition to just his, just his raw vision. I mean, I mean, some of the passes he threw in this game were were just were, were just pretty nuts. Like like some cross court hook passes over double teams. Um, like like set up one to Ob for a three. Um, and then down the stretch, I, I mentioned obviously the Burks three, but even before that, with just under three minutes to go in this game, he blew by Ao. He drew the help from Vooch, and he just had this like little like one handed slip bounce pass to Mitchell Robinson um, for a put in. And his ability to make life easier on his teammates, to self-create. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, Derek Reifer put out this whole great thread um, on his Analynix account uh, showing how just multiple advanced analytics um, paint quickly as not just like a star bench player, but flat out a star. Again, there's there's probably some noise in those numbers, but uh, all that being said, like he he is basically the, the single biggest difference maker for the Knicks this season in terms of how good they are when he's on the court uh, versus when he's off the court. And to me, that is backed up by everything we've seen from the eye test. And it, it's clear as day for everyone now that he's shooting the basketball better. Um, so I would lean Emmanuel quickly as the answer to that question, uh, despite Obi Toppin um, just being fantastic. Um, to finish up some notes on this game, uh, I wanted to shout out Mitchell Robinson as well, who um, I, he's not that he's been playing poorly the last couple of games, but he had this stretch like going into the all-star break and just post all-star break where it's like, oh, wow, this is a guy taking a step forward on both ends of the floor. And, and he still has certainly had those games defensively where he's made that kind of impact, but it's been a little bit more hit or miss. Certainly on offense, he's been relatively quiet and, and he's so contingent on other guys for his offense. That was another one of our, of our questions that came from uh, Dellen at Agent Beverly. And he said, we talk about how RJ and Julius benefit from playing with the young guys, but do we underrate how Mitch could benefit from it too, especially if you were kept around long-term? And I, I think it's something we do because 
at this point, like I, I, I've said it a million times, but he, he's not going to develop into like a dominant post threat or I, like I'd, I'd be surprised if he develops like a, a, a one or two dribble face up game, even though I'd, I'd love that from him down the road. I, I think he's, he's very much outside of offensive rebounding where he was incredible in that capacity in this game had maybe his putback of the year where he was essentially on the other side of the rim and he just reached back with those extendo arms, left hand, able to tip it in on the other side of the basket. Um, the point is he's not going to create his own offense and man, oh man, I can, I can count on, I, I can't actually can't count on two hands. I, I would need three, maybe four. Um, the number of times Julius just looked him off wide open under the rim in this game or, or through a pass too late that got tipped away. The point is he, he's lost out on maybe a thousand. No, that's, that's exaggerating, but I had a whole lot of points in his career um, just from missed lobs that teammates haven't thrown him. And, and again, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of this show. It, it, it's the, just a general court sense that the rookies have and that RJ Barrett has developed in terms of chemistry with them. And I'll even throw a vet in there, Evan Fournier, who, who's the Knicks guard most consistently um, successful and willing to feed the bigs. When he plays with those guys, everything feels a little bit easier. And, and the beauty of all that is passing is contagious. And Mitch, who is by and large a non-passing big, like I've seen him mimic Jericho Sims a little bit over the last couple of games where he's getting rebounds and he's kicking it out to shooters. Like he, he caught it on a short roll um, at the elbow in this game and he faked it into the corner to, I can't remember, it was Burks or Obi, or no, it was Burks or IQ in the corner. And then he found Obi on the left wing for a wide open three. And it, it was sort of slow and methodical and, and maybe against the more locked in defense, it wouldn't have worked. But I was like, wow, he went through progressions and he hit a guy for, for a three pointer. And that, that is, that is stunning uh, for Mitchell Robinson, who also uh, played some fantastic post defense in this game on Nikola Vucevic. So just an all around uh, great night. Um, again, just hyper, hyper efficient around the rim, finished eight for nine, 16 points, 12 boards, two assists, three blocks, one steal, a uh, superb night for Mitchell Robinson. The New York Knicks could not have won without him. Um, I want to come back and answer more of your mailbag questions before wrapping up. Uh, but first, uh, I wanted to quickly uh, remind you guys that this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now possible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating question, questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain, store, or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find solutions to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, guys, we are back third and final segment. And I realized before we get to the mailbag stuff, I just have to quickly shout out Alec Burks, who's been... It's just fantastic over the last two weeks, particularly the hero of the last two games, hitting that game ceiling three um, against uh, the Pistons. Well, obviously, before his actual game ceiling strip against Kate Cunningham and then essentially replicating the effort tonight, uh, big three, and then taking a charge on the other end on DeMar DeRozan, uh, showcasing some excellent positioning defensively to help the Knicks win this one. And just in general, he's been fantastic, 27 points. Six boards, three assists, the 42 minutes, even though he was great in this game, still a little high for my liking for Alec Burks. But 
hard to question when he's playing like this. Like the dude is a straight up hooper. Uh, I've professed uh, how much I love his game and just the sheer aesthetic beauty of it many, many times on this podcast. And it was a bummer to have to talk negatively about the guy just because of the way Tibbs was distributing his minutes and playing him out of position at point guard. And I felt awful for him because he really struggled this year. I think he's been reinvigorated playing with the younger dudes quite a bit, um, going back to the earlier question we had. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing him again on, on next year's team. We got, we got another question. Um, oh, we got two more questions, actually, specifically about Alec Burks. One was uh, – Alleyoop to Toppin at JMC Kalak uh, 13. Uh, hopefully I'm getting that right. Or maybe it's Kalach. Uh, hit, hit, hit me back, Alleyoop to Toppin, and let me know. Is Burks the best wing veteran for a team featuring Barrett quickly and Toppin next season? And Nick with a knack at Luis Mon 9907875. What a name. He said, um, because, you know, Luis Mon 9907857 was taken. I just had to slip that in there. Uh, we said, would you keep Burks for next season? So two Alec Burks questions. And the answer is, yeah, if if he's played in the appropriate role. And, and where I get kind of queasy about it is because Tom Thibodeau is going to be back next year. And let's just say the Knicks strike out in free agency. They don't get Jalen Brunson. They don't get another um, veteran point guard option. They don't draft anyone who's there. Emmanuel quickly could come in next year and and be truly ready, which I think clearly I, whatever I think he was this season, um, but but even more ready to be the starting point guard. And we could have the same situation next year where Alec Burks is starting at a position at the point guard spot. Um, and if that's going to happen, then as much as I love him as a player, and um, to the point of the first question, as as useful as I think he is, and and how he can basically um, fit his game into any lineup and provide secondary creation. Um, get to the free throw line a whole lot, shoot the heck out of the basketball. All those things I love, uh, play great defense as we've seen in the last two games. All those things I love about Burks, they're not worth the manual quickly not starting next year. So um, if if Tibbs is going to do that again, then count me out. Um, if, if quickly has just proven himself enough over these last couple of games that he could be that guy, um, then I mean to Tibbs, because obviously he's proven to most of us that he can be that guy. Um, or the Knicks go with a Jalen Brunson and, and knock Burks back to the bench where I think he is best suited. Uh, I am, I'm fine with Alec Burks coming back. I, I love his game. All right. Uh, let's see what other questions we got. Uh, Nick with a knack also wanted to know why is there no buzz about, uh, he wrote Daniel Dyson, but it's, it's, it's Dyson Daniel. I think he's, he's referencing, um, the, uh, future draftee who will be in this year's NBA draft, uh, out of Australia currently, playing for the G League Ignite team had, had a insane uh, near triple double the other day. I think it was like 21, 18 and eight or something like that. Six, seven, um, some, some real comparisons to Josh Giddy. Um, certainly some differences in his game. I would be lying if I said I, I watched him at all this season. Um, so I don't want to go too far in depth, but he is certainly a guy um, that I would be fascinated by the New York Knicks taking, taking just because Outside of R.J. Barrett, they don't really have another player in that mold. And, oh, man, I love the idea of, of building just a supersized lineup uh, of, of the future with Grimes, Reddish, R.J., and and Dyson in there. And and I don't know if you go small and, like, have quickly as your point guard with that group or, or you go big and, and have a center and Mitchell Robinson and, and, and Dyson and R.J. are playing as your nominal point guards. Like, that, that is absolutely thrilling, absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, the thing is, I don't think he's going to be there if, if the Knicks stick around the 12th pick. And then if they keep winning, that's probably where they will end up. Maybe they have some lottery luck. History does not suggest that they will. Uh, I, I'm super interested in him. I think the dude is, is, is as we go along, 
more and more cementing himself as a guy who will ultimately go in the top 10. If I had to guess, I bet he goes closer to five, six, or seven than he does eight, nine, or 10 um, in the NBA draft. But again, someone I got to do more research on, and uh, we will see if, if the Knicks uh, maybe can move up and have a real shot at him. Uh, final question comes from Erm Lacage at Lacage, and he wants to know, um, Thoughts on late lottery potential Knicks targets, Mark Williams and Tari Eason. Again, I'm unfortunately not the best person to ask about draft prospects, but I have watched a decent amount of Mark Williams just uh, just in, enjoying, relative term, uh, this Duke run. Uh, I think he especially, if, if, if he, he doesn't make any sense if the Knicks decide to bring back Mitchell Robinson. If, if Mitchell Robinson gets too rich of an offer from another team, I'd love to have a Mark Williams. I mean, I think he gives you exactly what Tibbs wants at the center position um, and and could be a really solid two-way big. And it, there, there's certainly an argument to be made. Again, just going really cheap at center with Jericho and Mark Williams obviously opens you up to spend more money on someone like a Jalen Brunson. Um, and I think there would be quite a drop-off next year between who Mitch is going to be and who Sims would be or who Williams would be as a rookie. But I think if you're the Knicks and, and you don't have grand aspirations of competing next year, maybe you're willing to take that exchange, knowing that in a year or two, the difference probably won't be all that substantial and you're saving a whole lot of money at that spot. Um, and as far as Tari Eason, I'll just go with Prez loves him, so I love him. Um, and then he said Sexton as an offseason point guard target after being out for a year. What do you think the Knicks have to give up to get him? So Sexton is a restricted free agent, so the only thing the Knicks will have to give up is money. I think he'll command something in the 17 to $18 million range coming off the injury. I think a lot of people forget that the previous season, he was coming off a hyper-efficient 24-point-per-game year. Um, again, there are real questions about if he is a guy who contributes to winning and the extent to which he contributes to winning. Um, you take that scoring efficiency every day of the week. I do think with Emmanuel quickly, like he's he's somewhat redundant, even if he's he's certainly the better talent of the two. Um, there, there's There's some overlap there especially because I think Sexton like on a title contending team is best suited to be sort of a six man. And perhaps the same could be said about quickly, but there's also a world where quickly could be your starting point guard for a year from now. Sexton come off the bench. Those two um, both being pretty tall and being uh, maybe this is generous to Sexton, but somewhat feisty defensively. Maybe there's a world where they can play together, but uh, I'm intrigued by the idea uh, Jalen Brunson is certainly my, my preference at the point guard spot, despite Sexton maybe having a slightly higher ceiling. Uh, but that is it for this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. I so appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, uh, we'll be back with some draft coverage uh, later this week. I think actually next time we talk to you, we'll be doing some draft coverage. We have Raphael Barlow, uh, the host of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, uh, recently replacing the legend Chad Ford coming on to talk NCAA tournament. Stay tuned for that. Um, But until next time, be good. Uh, Enjoy your week. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.